Deep Space Nine. I'm on board Empoch Noir. Then we'll go to Terek Noir. Then I'll watch some film noir and go back to Deep Space Nine. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're sparkling officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to The Prophets. I... What? Bill? Hi, guys. What is this like? A is this like an intervention meeting or something? Well, you're wondering why we asked you all here, aren't you? It's the piss warm Mountain Dew, Bill. It's got to stop. No, I am the Lord of Unorthodoxy, and I will drink what I want. With me are my minions. Well, who are you? I am the Lord of Unorthodoxy. <laughs> banana, banana, banana. <laughs> banana. Oh, we, we are like so off the rails already. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm banana. the one drinking all the Mountain Dew. What the hell are you guys taking? I, I, I think Andy was walking up the staircase and put his hand on some goo. <laughs> From last episode. Let's talk about the hero of Setlick 3. Let's talk about the hero of Two True Freaks. Let's talk about Setlick 3. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Oh, that should have been the title of last week's episode. <laughs> well, you can change it. Yeah. Let's talk about set like three. The hero of Canton, the man they call Jane. It's a nice hat, Bill. Anyway, Deep Space Nine. We are here. I'm David Weeder, and, and, and oh, I, I thought you were going to skip introducing us. No. I'm Paul Spataro. And I'm David Brinkley. No, wait. And that was Andy. Hello. Hello, everybody. <sighs> Guys are so unprofessional. I think we've successfully derailed Bill. Mission accomplished. Oh, that yeah, doesn't that take tough. much. That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll derail myself. <laughs> we have any Star Trek news this time around? I've got a mention. Much, oh, you've it's got a so mention? New, mention. It's oh, not sorry. so much news, just sort of a recommendation that I thought of when we were talking about motion picture last time. In a Star Trek Waypoint, which is a comic from IDW that's an anthology, they did a special towards the end of 2018... Um, which is months old, but you can still find this. There's a really good story that follows the Decoralia creature thing from the end of motion picture Ooh. as it's ascending through dimensions and runs into not only a familiar face, but a, a welcoming familiar face of Q. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ah, the Deca is a unit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get too much of the story, but it's, it's kind of, it's, it's how V'ger got his groove back. <laughs> I want to see that as an episode. Yeah. Well, I don't want to see Stephen Collins pop uh, up again. Well, we'd, we'd probably have to recast, because yeah. uh, Percy's Cam Battery sadly passed away as well, so we'd have to do some recasting. I read an IDW comic recently as well. Uh, I was given all five issues of The City on the Edge of Forever. 
Oh, the the, the, the adaptation the of yeah. Harlan Ellison's. Yeah, Harlan yeah. Ellison's original teleplay. Oh yeah, I read. And, and it's kind of sad that as brilliant as that story is. And as much as Harlan Ellison was upset about them changing it, what they did to change it made it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, Mark Taylor like, gave me these. Thank you, Mark. Mark was cleaning out his house, and he just sent them to me because yeah, I, I like saw some... him in a picture and I asked for him. And uh, yes, the story's great. Um, the changes that they make to the Telefizer episode are actually superior. Yeah, because isn't there some like, like weird space? They come back to the ship, and there's like space pirates trying to take over the ship, or something. And, and weird, yeah. weird space drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I don't know if anybody's been reading IDW comics uh, since they've got the Star Trek license, but they have knocked it out of the park in the last few years. Are I'm they a- still doing the um, um, the Kelvin verse? Because I was following it for a while, but it seemed to have disappeared. That has come to an end. Boldly Go was the ongoing series, and it came to an end, I believe, with issue eighteen. But don't quote me on the issue number. Mm. Okay. So right now what they're gearing up for and what will probably be out by the time this episode airs is year five. Because they've done uh, year four, they did two, or year three, two miniseries there, and now they're going into year five. So they're they're doing more miniseries work than ongoings, which is fine because right. it's more diverse. See, mm-hmm. my, my only problem with that is DC Comics did the last mission and the return to Earth. Right. And I love that comic story where they go back to Talos Four with Captain Pike. That's a great story. And I was pleasantly surprised to, to see that it would dovetail nicely into the Lost Years. Mm-hmm. Contradictory. So that was quite pleasant. So I don't really want him to do that again because I love that story. Well, it's been told three times now. The, the one you mentioned was an annual three. No, annual yeah. two. Two. And then they did an issue during the second volume towards the end that did kind of move into that but it's more about uh, carol marcus and kirk and uh, and then idw did a fight the last mission miniseries all of which now, i've actually enjoyed for the most part but this is going to be apparently supposed to be canonical now this isn't really canon but did you ever watch the end of the star trek continues series that had uh Vic, yes Vic Don- and how that kind of dovetailed into kirk's into yeah he had, he had the motion picture uniform on didn't he yep yep and uh, I don't want to come across as a raging sexist, but there were some hot girls in that Star Trek continue show. <laughs> well, Andy had a great <laughs> podcasting career. <laughs> well, it was it was very much like the original Star Trek in that regard. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Thingyos. in one of them. Colin Baker's companion when he was yeah. the Doctor. Uh, Perry was in one of the episodes. Um, Nicole O'Brien, lovely, yep. still. Yes, yes. And it had uh, uh, Gigi Edgeley from. Um, yeah, yeah, from Farscape. Yeah, she was yep. in one. Yeah, yep. yeah, she was Chiana in Farscape. She was she did an episode, and, uh, and I Vic- thought uh, Scotty's son did an excellent job as Scotty. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other bit of really brilliant stunt casting: um, Joanne Linville's daughter plays the same Romulan commander that she played in the Enterprise incident, and my God, she's the spitting image of her mum. Oh, hey, I will. When I was watching that episode, I was like, gee, how have they found somebody so brilliant uh, for casting in this? And it turns out it was Joanne Linville's daughter, so for, well done there. I highly recommend that for anyone who is a fan of Star Trek. I mean, it's it's a fan film, but it, but they're done well. Um, I think Vic McNogna is the best faux Kirk ever. I think I've gone on really, record. Really, Bill, you like that. his performance? I think as a best... My only problem, my only, being... my only problem with Vic, Vic Mignogna is he's her. What is going on with his hair? Well, so I've seen him in person. He's like three feet tall. It doesn't matter. I you don't like you don't like him as Kirk. Billy, Billy, he's, he's, he's all right. He's not hot. 
He's all right. He's not. He, you know, he doesn't make me forget William Shatner in the role. Let's put it I didn't that way. say. He I doesn't said, make me fe- I forget said, Christopher Pine in the role. I said faux Kirk. I think he captures Kirk's mannerisms and without without it just being an impersonation. Yes. So uh, I, 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 I think he, he's, he's he's really you know he's absolutely Kirk light. I said this, faux Kirk. I didn't say. Yeah. You know, well, uh, that's the thing is he. he I'm not watching it and thinking, oh yes, I'm forgetting that this is somebody pretending to be Kirk. When I watch William Shatner play the role, at some point I just think, oh yeah, it's Captain Kirk. I don't think that's William Shatner. When I watch Vic McNuckle, I, I think, you know, yeah, he's, he's pretending to be William Shatner, pretending to be Kirk. He's the guy playing the guy pretending to be the other guy. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, you know, he's he's okay. You know, when when the camera can sink down low enough to actually find him. Oh, Bill's gonna stab you with a broken bottle, Paul. You've you've a called down a bottle of Mountain Dew. I can't wait till July. You, I will, will tell you where you stand. Well, by, by the time this episode airs, I will already be dead. <laughs> <laughs> It is July. Oh, my. Oh, no. This is July. And I'm in prison. (laughs) June exploded six months after the the year began. (laughs) Starfleet never bothered to check on our progress. You know, I honestly, as I watch Star Trek Continues, it's entertaining and it's a high quality fan film, but I never stop feeling like it's a fan film. That's, I'm not saying this well, just to push yeah. out. That's, that's the way it feels to me. It, it's, you know, especially, and, and to be totally honest, Vic McNaughton is one of the least culpable in that. Uh, you know, the, the guy who plays Spock, I think, is probably the most, like, to me, where I see him and I think, that's not Spock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Guy who plays Spock's the, uh, the weak link. Poor really? guy. I feel for really? him. Yeah. What about Grant Imahara as, as Sulu, or even even I, the guy who I don't, I don't, here's, here's the thing, Bill. I don't even remember Sulu in Star Trek <laughs> Continues, so you're probably right. <laughs> anyway, no, if anybody's interested, the the first there's a lot of sci-fi stars that make guest appearances. Some of which you'll be going, wait a Lou minute, Fer- that was Ferrigno. Lou, Lou Ferrigno, Gil Gerard. Um, in fact, I had when I'm like, wait, Gil Gerard was in this episode? Where? <laughs> he played who? And I had to go back all the way. Oh, my God, he played one of the admirals in the opening scene. My favorite thing is that they got the guy who played uh, Apollo. Oh, that was, yeah. And they, they actually got the same actor from the 1960s to come back and, and reprise and the role. They explained why he was old, and it made sense. It fit with the story. Yeah. No, it's it's an entertaining series of fan films. Yeah. And I think it's worth watching. I'm not trying to say otherwise. No, no, no. But but I like you know, like if I paid money to see this or if this was on network TV, I, I would be like, Really? This is what you're putting out there? Well some of the concepts were pretty out there. I'm talking Jason about Isaacs did I'm one. talking about production values. Jason Isaacs was in one? Yeah, Jason Isaacs did a voiceover in one of the episodes for them. Oh. He played Lorca. <laughs> he was he was credited as Jason Lorca. What? No. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia what? says. It must be right. I gotta go uh, back. Wikipedia here. says it, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but this is not a Star Trek Continues show. This is yeah. a oh, Deep Space it Nine be. show. It could be, but who knows? That could be a future endeavor. So, we are here today to talk about... Anybody got any more news? We're going to make sure everybody's got it out of the system. I will oh, move on. Nobody had any news. Okay. Anyway, we are here oh, to talk yeah, about... Oh, yeah, there was... No, go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
you son of a. Go ahead, Bill. Oh no 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 no! I'm gonna make I'm gonna make us wait right here. Oh no, I'm just kidding. Season five, episode twenty-five of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine is in the cards. It's priceless. That baseball card is the answer. Everybody wants it. Ten bars. So, but to get it, will Jake set off an intergalactic war on the next Star Trek: Deep Space Nine? And this was directed by first-time director Michael Dorn. Did you guys know that? I will film you where you stand. <laughs> story. Uh, st- story. God, I screwed up already. Story by Truly Bar Clark and Scott J. Neal. Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore. And this was uh, original air date June 9th, 1997. Dave, where were you in June on June 9th, 1997? You had already graduated high school. I had just graduated, yeah. I would have been in Kansas City at, at no, I was in St. Louis at Six Flags that day. Ooh. Riding on that day. Ride. Yeah. You're sure you were there June 9th? 1997, yes. You're sure when was the 8th? Positive. Why were you not watching Deep Space Nine when this came out? Because I was in St. Louis at Six Flags. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just, just making sure yet your story stays uh, that, that you've got your facts right. Anybody else? Does anybody else know, know where they were? I have no idea where I was, so don't ask me. What day of the week was that? I, I don't know. It was a Monday. A Monday? This a came Monday. out on a Monday? Well, that day was. This would have come out the week of. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I think we will move along to the plot. It goes a little like this. Vents do not bode well both on and off the station between Odo's stark security report and a word and word of missing starships. The station's command staff is depressed. Aww. Most notably, Captain Sisko. Jake Sisko decides to buy a 1951 Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> See what I did there? Willie Mays rookie baseball card at Quark's upcoming auction and to present it to his baseball-loving father in an attempt to cheer him up. What a good kid. As a Federation citizen, however, Jake does not have the funds to buy the card. Uh, yeah, there might be a problem there. He enlists Cadet Nog's help. More like he... Uh, sw- he- shames him into it and his gold press latinum to acquire the antique however the oddball dr elias geiger or geiger depending how you wish to pronounce it wins the lot that includes the card geiger offers to give the card to jake in exchange for a strange melange of equipment not the spice melange just melange i'm glad you got that word out bill i know you're worried about it thanks dave i've been practicing all night that's why I had to say spice melange so I could say it right. Yeah. Uh, to help him finish the cellular regenerator and entertainment centers, uh, centers or blah, blah. God. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I All say melange. Wait. <laughs> it's like a grenade going off. The cellular regeneration and entertainment center, as I like to call it, crack. No. Which the doctor believes will grant immortality. Privately, the boys decide the man is crazy, but agree to his offer and obtain the required materials by doing various odd jobs for Chief O'Brien, Dr. Bashir, Major Kira, and Lieutenant Commander Worf. Cue the Benny Hill yakety sax music. <laughs> See, now you don't have to edit that in, Dave. To keep Jake's surprise, <laughs> give the secret, however, neither of them reveal the reason they want such diverse items. 
Against this backdrop, Kai Wynn <laughs> oh, wait, no. comes to the station to consult with the Emissary of the Prophets on an upcoming meeting with the Dominion's Vorta representative, Weyun. The Dominion is offering a non-aggression pact with Bajor. Wynn is torn between her desire to avoid aligning Bajor with the Dominion and her belief that the Federation would not devote its full resources to defending Bajor in the likely event of war with the Dominion. Cisco recommends that Wynn stall for time before committing herself to a decision. The Dominion contingent, meanwhile, meanwhile has guest quarters above Geiger's. <laughs> and Weyun and his accompanying Jem'Hadar soldiers are wary of the odd noises emanating from below them. Geiger was having a rave. Okay, Returning to Geiger's quarters... With the last of his requested equipment, Jake and Nog find the room empty with no sign of Geiger or Geiger. I think I've changed that in the middle of the synopsis. Jake concludes that Wynn is one of the soulless minions of orthodoxy whom Geiger fears are trying to sabotage his work. Jake confronts the Kai and accuses her of kidnapping the doctor. <laughs> After a reprimand from Captain Sisko, what is your problem? Jake and Nog are beamed from a turbo lift aboard the Dominion ship. Wayun is somehow aware that the Utes, the two Utes, have been in frequent contact not only with the strange Dr. Geiger, Geiger, living underneath their guest, uh, underneath their guest quarters, but also with Kai Wynn and the entirety of the station's senior staff. Facing the suspicious Vorta and several Jem'Hadar soldiers, Jake points to the auction lot materials and explains the entire scheme to obtain the card. Wayun initially seems incredulous. Haha, <laughs> you thought I was going to stumble there. So Jake concocts a more plausible story. He and Nog are time travel agents investigating Willie Mays' sudden appearance in the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> Wayun, however, believes Jake's first story, deciding it was all innocent coincidence after all. He sends the boys away with a card and strikes up a friendship with Geiger over their shared interest in unorthodox genetics. During Cisco's concluding captain's log, which <laughs> which foreshadows the eminent Dominion War, the camera cuts the various scenes of the crew benefiting from Jake and Nog's recent work, O'Brien leaving the holodeck after running the rapids, Bashir sitting near his stuffed bear, Kukulaka, Kira delivering an effective speech, Worf enjoying Klingon opera, even Wayun using Geiger's immortality machine under his supervision, and finally Captain Cisco hugging his son upon receipt of the card. So I initially had talked to Paul about this and was kind of like, oh, I got to rewatch this. But every time I watch this, I as I go into it, I'm like, oh, God. But then when I get into it, I like it. But it's but it but I seem to forget it each time that it isn't that bad of an episode as I think it is going in. And it kind of grows on me as I'm watching it like a fungus. Yeah, like some kind hmm. of sign of funk. Fungially. Yeah, I kind of you 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 gave me that the other day, like oh, you know. Right, but I hadn't seen one. it in like <laughs> four or five weeks, so because I think I had I had viewed ahead, and you know there are better episodes, but you know going back to this one because Empok Nor was such an exciting, you know, the one pr prior to this, and then you go into this, you slow down right before the season finale. You know, I'm kind of like, oh, it's one of the catch your breath, make you feel good. And I'm like, it's not going to be as interesting. But I, I forget because they take the more serious B plot and and 
I mean, usually the A plot is the stuff, the the ongoing story. Here they take the ongoing story and make it the B plot and put it in the background. Basically wasting whole, that B plot. Not right. at all. Not at all. Well, I no, disagree. I mean, I, mean I, I don't think it's wasting it. It's just, it's it's the subtext to the things that are going on, which is why Jake is doing all this to start with. I mean, so they're still kind of intermingled. It's... I, I feel like it's it's kind of almost a placeholder to get us to the season finale, but the stuff that's going on in the subplot, while it wouldn't carry an entire episode by itself, you'd have to add some more meat to it if you wanted to make a whole episode out of that. But I feel like it's it, there's some effective stuff there. The conversation uh, between Kai Wynn and, and Cisco, where she's she's asking if he would sac- sacrifice Earth to protect Bajor. Uh, yeah, you know, that's that to me. That's her kind of. You know, she knows she knows he's going to say no to that. He's manip- she's manipulating the answers to try and get them to where she wants to be. So she's justified if she does make any type of non-aggression pact with Bajor with uh, the Dominion. Uh, I think that's all cool. I think the stuff with Wei Yun is really cool. You know, I, I think you know he comes off as genuine that he like he he thought he was friends with Cisco. <laughs> you know, and I just think that's great. I think that's a lot of fun. And then even just how he reacts to the kids when they're telling him what's going on, and then the last scene of him in the uh, the thing with his cells being entertained. Uh, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of you know good little moments in there. The whole story about them trying to get the baseball card. Yeah, it's it's just you know who cares. But you know, it, it's cool. I, I also, I kind of say, I, I kind of like Jake's made-up story for why they're doing that. You know, this this person, Willie Mays, never existed a day ago. Now all of a sudden, there's a bust of him in Kent, in uh, Cooperstown, New York, in the Hall of Fame. I, I thought that was kind of cool too. I, I I found this to be an entertaining, albeit possibly forgettable episode. And, and I think that's borne that out by the fact that a couple of weeks after you saw it, you totally forgot what it was. Like, you didn't even remember if you were entertained by it. Yeah, but once it got going, I was like, oh, that's right. Okay. It all kind of came back. And it's like, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it would, you know, as I remembered it, even from a few weeks ago. I feel like it's setting us up for the, the season finale, which I did not watch in advance of us recording this. But I feel like it's 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 got me anticipating it, and I'm cool with that. Oh, please. Like I told told you, I, I watched ahead and I came to a screeching halt when I came to season six, ep- episode eight, and I found out it was uh, an, another one with Brile, the block of wood in it. I'm like, oh, God, I can't watch it. for. Why, why are you eight episodes <laughs> into season six already? I don't understand. Because it was just so good and I had to watch ahead. But Brile brought me to a st- screeching halt and now I'll just stay with the rest of you. Wait for you to catch up to me. <laughs> Not Beryl, anything but that. <laughs> not happy universe, Beryl. Not happy birthday. Not happy Beryl. Uh, so yeah, the whole uh, you know the house that Jack built. This is the this is this is the cat that ate the dog. That did blah blah blah. This, the whole I got to get this to be, keep this person happy, and I got to do this to keep this person happy, and I got to get Kukalaka. Kukalaka, 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 Kukalaka. Go get my teddy bear. I mean, I I mean, it's nice that we we, we get a little, you know, you get little snippets of each person on the station and, and, you know, what they're doing. But we kind of know all that already. But I mean, it is nice that that, you know, what Jake does does end up making bringing a little happiness to everybody and not just his father. So, you know, it's the feel good episode. It's like that. It's like the Deep Space Nine after school special. (laughs) 
<laughs> Except that uh, well, Jake is, is an asshole through the whole episode. Okay, okay, well, Jake does kind of manipulate his best friend, you know. Hey, you know, Jake, get a job, you deadbeat. Uh, and steals his latinum. Yeah. Yes, he can. He, 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 he's a good guy, but yeah, you're right. He's also a, a jerk at the same time. You know, I'm like, he couldn't get some type of job on the station to earn latinum to be able to buy something or credits to be able to buy something on the station. Like, how, how does that work when you're at a non-Federation station where they just, right? I mean, have we discussed this before? What, Star Trek stupidity with not having money? Yeah, I think well, no, 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 well, 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 no, not times. that. Specifically being on a station that probably does not work with a Federation monetary system. Like, like, how do they buy stuff at Quarks? Where do they get the money? Yeah, no, the, the, the entire monetary system as presented in the Star Trek world basically from the from the moment that Picard said, oh, we're, we've evolved beyond that, uh, that has, has made no sense whatsoever. Well, Jake almost like verbatim quotes Picard from you know, oh, we've evolved beyond the need for money. Oh, really? Well, I guess you need it now, don't you? <laughs> I refer you to the episode of Two True Freaks where uh, Scott and Chris went on and on about you know, how do you deal with the lazy shits in the universe who don't want to work? <laughs> If you don't have a monetary system, uh, and and that's really always what I come back to. It, it it really does nothing for the people who want to milk the system. I guess you know the Gene Roddenberry thought is, oh, you know we're we're so advanced that nobody is like that anymore. Bullshit. I don't believe that. I don't buy it for a second. And I think uh, if you if you're going to watch these things, you just have to kind of turn a blind eye to the whole monetary arguments that they make and they'd be much better off if they never brought it up again did you check uh catch the well i i call them i don't know if there's an actual geek or nerd name for them i call them star trek isms to where they name things that you know like you know oh like god mahatma gandhi um Martin Martin Luther King, and bob schlucklalaka of techlock nine who what so oh, and, bob schlucklalaka yeah so, so when 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 Kai Wynn is naming off, off the planets, it's almost like they did it like in their own. Because she's like, you know, well, what would they sacrifice? You know, would would they come to? You know, what about Earth? What about Vulcan? What about Bengaria? What the hell? Where? What? What is Bengaria? Where is that? I've never even heard of that name. It's in the Bengay system. <laughs> it's it's next to Bill. It's next to Bilgaria. I'm just like, huh? What? Yeah. It's actually, you know what? Now I'm picturing Cisco arguing with Picard. Bengaria, Bengaria, and then Cisco's like, "Oh, it's just a little bitty place." <laughs> Kirk has one. <laughs> Kirk peaks. <laughs> no, I, I think it would be uh, Lisa's peaks. <laughs> mm. Oh, and how creepy is that? You're going to sneak into your future mother because they're not married yet, right? Yeah. You're gonna sne- you're sneaking into another woman's quarters <laughs> while she's sleeping, waiting to grab something she's sleeping with, a teddy bear. Your, your stepmother. You, it would have been yeah. so funny if it was Rum. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really funny if Rum was in bed with her. And then, yeah. you, and then you had 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 Rum yelling. Uh, what you call it? Uh, what's his name? Yelling. Uh, my eyes. My eyes. <laughs> uh Right before Kai Wynn walks in to see Cisco, he's gripping the baseball. I, and the baseball. I I just pictured that he was just gonna like like, like he grips it so 
so tight that he's as soon as that door opens, he's going to turn around and whip it right at her right in her forehead. That would have been, been so cool. <laughs> wishful thinking. Right in the middle of just knocking dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were the Jim Hadar. I, you know, but the bottom line is ultimately, I found this to be an entertaining episode, and I think you know there is. There is some depth to it that we're really not hitting on because it's a little hard to know exactly where it's going to go. But, I mean, the whole thing with Bejor's relationship with the Dominion and then even Wayun's relationship with Cisco, I think that's all some pretty good stuff there. And I think it's presented in a very low-key way. That, that frustrated me, though, because that the Wayun stuff was the best part of the episode. And the Kaiwen yeah. was... was what I was looking for, and it was put off to the corner so we could deal with this. You know, we made a joke about it seeming like Seinfeld, but that's exactly what it is. We can't just come clean and say, hey, we're trying to get this baseball card. we got to just make up more and more BS lies and break into people's quarters for Pete's sake. How long has Nog been doing that? And what is what, what yeah, is so, what is his intentions? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ultimately I think that uh, you know you have to just say, look, I want to get this card for my dad, and this is what I need to get it because you know, and, and you, you have you, to make you, it a secret. You can't tell anybody. But you you can't you can't do this this way because you don't really know what this dude's true motivations are. And what if he's putting together a bomb to blow up the station? Mm-hmm. Well, you, yeah. no, let's not... Make, you're let's you're not, not sophisticated enough to know. Yeah. Let's not forget that they almost started a big diplomatic boo-boo when they accused Kai Wen of stealing. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and and uh. at the end, Cisco just hugs his son like, oh, your intentions were good. And yeah, I like the well, where was Where was Dax in all of this? Was she even in the episode at all? Oh, yeah. Because huh. I don't remember. I'm just thinking, if there was anyone who would have helped Jake do this for Ben, it would have been Jadzia Dax. Yeah, but didn't they even say, well, you can't let Dax know because everybody will know then. Oh, yeah. Like, she's the... Oh, all right, Dax will tell, Dax will tell O'Brien, O'Brien will tell Keiko, Keiko, bah, yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough. And, and it's, that's a bunch of crap, too. When did, when did Dax become, you know... They're Starfleet to... officers. Now start acting like... Oh, wait, start. I mean, they could keep a secret. My God. I mean, all you have to say, look, this is really important. I, you need to not say anything. I need to get this. This is why. I mean, yeah, this whole con- contrived plot, but yeah, but then we wouldn't have a show. We wouldn't have this episode. Mm-hmm. But should but, but should we talk right. about the guest star? Uh, was it Brian Markinson? Yeah, he, he's the boss in Continuum. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. That's should one of the that, things I that need be significant to, to me. No, it's just Continuum is a really good show, and you should watch it. I mean, he's only run for four seasons. He's one of the, you know, he's like a that guy actor that you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah, he was in the (laughs) X-Files, and he's been in loads of stuff. Yeah, but but the character of Dr. Geiger is kind of, you know. He's annoying, honestly. Bored to death. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that that whole thing is just stupid. But but I do like that Wayun buys into it. And that oh, yeah, was, the, that was my favorite part. Where, where he was like, yeah, I've had some theories on immortality. <laughs> well, yeah, but technically, aren't you already Im- immortal in a strange sort of way, being a clone? I don't know if that's immortality. Is. Or, I mean, how much of the previous iteration but, are you carrying with you? Because don't they download the memories or transfer them? I, I don't really remember exactly yeah, how that they, works. Yeah, they do because yeah. he's, 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 you know, he has the memories of everything that's gone on up until that point. But, but at what point, like, do they have to periodically download their memories, or how is it transmitted? I, I don't know. I'm we, going we, don't, we, don't, we don't discuss such things. With outsiders. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I, I think uh, Professor Warren took his memories along with Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. I appreciate it, and I'm sure Andy did too. Jackal. Yes, I did. <sighs> but this, I mean, other than the the subplot, there's really not a lot to get into. But just to, to kind of hit on that again, I don't remember where Bejor goes with this. I know that they don't sign the non-aggression pact order. That if they do, it's a very temporary thing. But how it develops to that, I don't recall. So I'm kind of interested in seeing, you know, where where they go because, you know, you know, Kai Win is always just out for her own self-interests at all times over anything else. So, you know, she's got like her pecking order. Her own self-interests are first, then Bejo's interest, and then whatever tickles her fancy. So she does see this as a potentially way of keeping Bejo safe. Implicit in that, though, is having to trust the Dominion to keep their words and not subjugate your people. So, you know, ultimately, I, I find that to be, you know, the interesting political aspect of this case, of this case, of this episode. And I, I, I'm curious to see. I don't recall where she goes with it. And that's that's going to be interesting. Maybe I would. I mean, I know where Kai Wynn eventually ends up and, you know, towards the end of the series. I remember that. But... I don't really I mean maybe I'm just being sucked in by her but I really thought she was being honest that she wasn't trying I mean she's being manip- she's trying to manipulate things on one level like you said with what she says to Cisco about you know would the federation sacrifice stuff but I think she honestly doesn't know what to do and is coming to him as his role as the emissary. Yeah, and and I think when she asks that question, I actually think she's being genuine. I don't think she's being facetious. I think she's saying it to make a point to Ben, to mm-hmm. say, you're not going to sacrifice these things for me, and I need to look out for our best interests, because you know what? You're the one who stopped us from being part of the Federation already. That yeah. wasn't me, that was you. So I, I, I think she's kind of genuine on that, but you know her motivations aren't always pure, just the same. And I think... So it, uh, that's what makes her character so interesting to me, and that's one of the things that made this episode enjoyable. I... I think she surprised Cisco by, you know, doing the whole paw thing with touching of the ear. He, you know, I, the way he jumps, like, oh. He should be like, get off me. Uh, what are you doing? But, you know, I, I like that. And uh, I just feel like that's, you know, her character just always adds to things as far as I'm concerned. Every time she's on the screen, she's she's like, you know, Mark Alamo. She's like Andy Robinson. Just her presence in an episode elevates. Louise Fletcher is just great in that part. Child. <laughs> you may leave now, child. And Kira's just completely snotty. Thanks. As she leaves was just the worth the worth the episode entirely. Just the way Nana Visitor delivered that line. Yeah, and to me, that's that's one of the big selling points of this episode. And yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, I agree that it's the B plot that makes this episode entertaining. If this if this was all A plot, it would be a you know a. A move along home home level episode. Uh, so unfortunately, Alamoray. <laughs> so here we. So this is odd because now we've this season we had an episode where the B plot brought it down, like the A plot held it, but the B plot brought it down. But now we have one where we think that the A plot kind of brought it down, but the B plot has held it up a little. Andy just fell out of his chair. Oh my god! Yeah, no, Andy, Andy, that. are you all right? I'm fine. Uh, Andy, can you hear me? Andy, I need need the kiss of life and a vigorous chest massage. Andy (laughs) Fandago, can you hear me, Andy? Uh, Oh, you know what we forgot to do that we – 
we, I think maybe it's because peek behind the curtain. We hadn't recorded in so long. We didn't do our quotes. I think we kind of gave up on that. Oh, we have, we have yeah, actually, I tried to introduce that as a feature, and it died a slow. Oh, because last episode we had a lot of good quotes with you know, with, you know, you know, with, with Gara. Yeah, you know, it's like when uh, the chief says, "You look different. You don't have the face of a tailor." Hmm. My That's... favorite in last week's episode was Garrick's line about, "Yeah, people are going to start inviting me over for dinner soon." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I want to just maybe just for this episode, I'm going to introduce the most groan worthy quote of the episode, which was, can you guess it? Anyone? Anyone? Who said that? Oh, you're actually asking lions and geigers and birds. Oh. oh, my. Oh, my. Yes. I I literally groaned out loud. I went, oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that was groan worthy. I agree. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Thank mm. God. My favorite line was Kira's. That genuinely made me laugh out loud. Which one? When when Kai Wynn says, you may leave now, child, and Kira's like, oh, thanks. But she's really <laughs> saying, fuck you. <laughs> the entire future of the galaxy may depend on us tracking down Willie Mays and stopping him. <laughs> I liked that. I thought that was funny. But you know what? What did Blaine think of this episode? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Put this beat brakes on. What about Worf in the party? He's standing in the corner <laughs> staring at something on the wall. And he's not even, you know, Mr. Worf, you've been paroled. The party. And he's, oh, what? All right, I'm gone. He's just staring at, like, some fertility idol thing hanging on the wall. That, that was great. You can go now, Mr. Worf. Thank you. <laughs> like you've got this idea that Cisco's invited him all around for dinner and it's mandatory and Worf's just like oh for god's sake okay that that was it Paul sorry to derail you that's right do you have a song <laughs> that's how you could make it up to me oh uh oof kukalaka kukalaka da 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 what does that have to do with Blaine hey you, you suck oh oh, oh. <laughs> so... just, just, just another question why why was Lita sleeping with Dr. Bashir's teddy bear after they'd broken up how did the teddy bear end up in her bed well because she... he probably brought it with them or she saw it in his quarters and thought it was cute and just took it like a lot of flipping girlfriends do whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew you would send them down a rabbit hole there Andy I knew that was a mistake <laughs> Sure. Not like I ever lost anything in high school, sons of To be fair, Lita's, when Lita's looking for it when she gets up the next morning and she's got bad head, that was funny. I I, I was going to say, yeah, because she's the only one out of every, everybody in this station could get screwed over in this deal. She's the only, yeah, I mean, she, she's the only one that gets screwed over because now she doesn't have her little kukulaka to sleep with. Yeah, but she stole Kukalaka, so I don't really feel that's that true. sorry for her. That's true. That's so true. wait, Lita's the villain of the episode? Exactly. Okay. She's ev- eviler than Kai Wynn. No, episode. no, I can't go down that road. She stole a teddy bear, Dave. Okay, all right. But do you Some think- things you, you just can't let go. I'm in Team Bashir with this one. I'm not even going to fight you on this. I think you're right. you may be right. <laughs> I may be crazy. Because I was thinking to myself, well, we just may have a blade email we're looking for. I came up with a song. <laughs> Are we ready for, for that, or do we want to talk Kukalaka some more? The only, well, I was, the only thing I was thinking is I don't think Kai Wynn would stoop to stealing a teddy bear, and that, that blows oh, my mind. Oh, yes, she would. You know she would. She'd steal it, and she'd burn it in front of you. Okay, yeah. You like yeah, this? Okay, yeah, when you say that, yeah. <laughs> you like this, you- child? And she'd call in a fire race. Whoosh. There you go. What her, you- and Gold- her and Goldicott would burn your teddy bear. This right is, this is for the good of Bejo, child. You don't need this. <laughs> 
You need to learn to sleep without a nightlight. And your teddy bear. So Blaine says, <laughs> well, it's the second last episode of the season. So naturally, we're going for comedy to relieve some pressure. It's nice that it isn't a Ferengi episode, just for the sake of variety, since that's been the pattern for the last few seasons. I also like that Cisco's baseball fandom matters, especially since it'll play a small part in the season finale next week. I do appreciate that Wayun figures things out and just gives them the card as he has no use for it. Well, I'd better go and entertain myself for a while. Blame. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that pretty much sums it up. It's, it's, you know, it's a lighthearted episode for the most part. The stuff that does have a little weight to it is all in the B plot and it's kind of done, I think, in a, in a subtle way, which is one of the reasons to me it props up the episode. So, you know, that's, that's where, uh, I am on it. Although I have not given a rating because it's Bill's episode to do. Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. No, I was. Uh, thinking, how many entertained cells are you going to give this one, Bill? Well, no, I was just seeing uh, uh, Blaine in the, um, in the the correct chamber, entertaining his cells. What? So why wouldn't you just put a TV in there or something and just or just you know he's like oh remember when Doctor Geiger says oh I'm bored after five hours in there put a TV in that thing I'm getting Netflix for my cells you could just net, net Netflix and sleep why do you got to be awake them. exactly yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 an <laughs> it's an episode, yeah. Uh, for a number, though, ooh, it's not bad, but then, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go, th I still liked it, but I'm gonna go with three. I'm gonna go with, you know what? I'm just gonna go with three. Okay. No, no, no snippy, no little, you know, just three. <laughs> no bloody A, B. <laughs> <laughs> just, just three because my cells are tired. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. I don't recall. <laughs> you guys might have to help me on my own logic here. Uh, <laughs> I don't recall since we rated on a scale of one to five. If a truly average episode is two point five, or if we've kind of said it's three. Two point five. Mathematically. Two point five. Yes, mathematically, that's the exact middle. So that would be a truly average episode, and that's where I'm going to put this one. I'm going to say it's entertaining. It's not especially flawed, and it's not especially you know good. It's just an episode that I watched, I enjoyed, and I move on. So to me, by definition, that is exactly average, and I'm going to give it a two point five. Uh, I I think it's slightly better than average, just because it did give me quite a couple of laugh out louds. So I'm going to go three. I enjoyed it. Again, it's one of those episodes from this era of the show where they're just they're just doing so well they can even do an episode like this and make it fun and entertaining. And I enjoyed it. And just to clarify, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I did. I just don't think it stood out in any way. No, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I agree with that. Which leaves it to me to be that guy again. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to give it a two. I think it's actually slightly below average. Oh, you're such that guy. Well, I didn't really want to be. I was hoping somebody would be in my ballpark, but no. I'm in your ballpark. I thought I was going to be the low man on the totem pole. So No, leave it to me. I seem to be that guy now. Doctor, no. But, uh, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> there we are. And what What's are we happening? doing next time? Next time on an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets, we reach the end of Season 5, and it's a call to arms. The assault. I wish they just attack and get it over with. Was inevitable. I don't suppose you would like to surrender. Absolutely not. Retaliation. Prepare for a dominion attack. Their only hope. This is war. But for Cisco and his crew. Prepare for a final assault. It may be their last stand. All weapons fire at will. Fire. A 
on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So next time, we're going to finish Season 5, and that means we've, we are, what, we're five-sevenths through the entire series at that point. Wow. Call to arms. Arms? Arms for the poor? Arms? <laughs> all right. Bye, See you everyone. all in two weeks. Goodbye. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Jet Set Willy. What? Jet Set Willy, the game. Jet Set Willy, that was the music. Isn't that in the Hall of the Mountain King? Yes, but it was also Jet Set Willy. Oh, okay. Jet Set Willy. Jet Set Willy was the game for the ZX Spectrum. Did you know? Yeah, play What the what? Is that like a Scottish did console? Know, did you know play on the ZX Spectrum? I'm not Scottish. That don't matter. You should still have played. Scottish it means I can complain a lot. Well, I know you complain a lot. I but you'll never have me freedom. <laughs> <laughs>